Where are all my friends? Jordy, we finally did the thing. I'm Thank excited. you for being here. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You'd kind of been on my radar. I saw you play at the Troubadour and I love that show. Thank and you. Well, that show was like so special for really? me. That, I mean, it's, it's like the Troubadour. I mean, yeah. it's like you move to LA, you're like pursuing the artist project, like you start doing shows and then it's like... It's the troubadour. It's it so iconic and legendary. And I just had such a fun time that night. I love that. So typically what I do with the podcast is quickly, like for a listener who might not know who you are, just a brief explanation of who you are and what you do. And then taking me back to the early days. But yeah, who uh, who are you? What do you do? My name is Jordy. That is me. I am a songwriter and a pop artist. And I've been living in LA for a little over five years now. But I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I love Chicago. I'm a very like Midwestern values kind of boy. Um, my whole family's still there. And so I love going back there, playing shows there, just visiting fam. I did go to college in Boston. I was an English major at Boston University. So Damn. I had you know, Berkeley down the street. And I was always like, oh, like I should be there. I should be doing music. So, I mean, that's like probably something we'll talk about today is like, you know, I spent four years at college, you know, studying literature and just not studying music at all. But it was always something I knew I was like meant to do and something I always wanted to do. And after I graduated college, I was like in a relationship I had been in that relationship for like about two years and I thought that I was going to stay in Boston and kind of like continue this relationship and, you know, make music work from over there. And I kind of quickly learned that if I really wanted to pursue pop music, I like needed to move to Los Angeles. So I'd say I graduated in May and by the following October, me and my ex had broken up and I packed my bags and I moved to LA. It was a crazy year. It was like, the post-grad anxieties. It was like freshly heartbroken. A friend of mine from Boston um, that I had met like within my years at BU, she was older than me and she was already living out here. She was like, my boyfriend Will needs a roommate and you know, he's looking to move out of his parents' house and you're moving to LA and I think you guys would get along. And his name is Will J. He's like an incredible artist, incredible songwriter. Sick. And he was like my first LA roommate, songwriter, friend. And He wrote a lot of my very first songs with me and he was such a big influence on me in terms of like finding my sound and learning about the LA scene and sessions and writing. And it felt like going to college again. There's so much to unpack here. I I know. I'm sorry. I'm already No, no, no. This is like, it's so great though. So a couple parts where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm curious at what point, because you said like an English degree, studying literature, all of these things. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess that could help you with like lyrics and it's like a very intellectual thing to study. But at what point were you like, yo, like I'm meant to be a pop artist. Like that life that you explained could have ended up different. You could have just, you know, stayed on the East Coast, taught, done anything else. The two don't necessarily line up. Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I, I mean... So I've been singing ever since I could talk. So like as soon as I started talking, I was singing. Yeah. Choir kid, theater kid, acapella kid. Like I was show choir. Like I did anything I could do in high school and middle school to like to sing, honestly. You know, singing from a young age that kind of like as a boy that like like bullying kind of like happened like very early on, like from the beginning. And I think that going to play practice or going to choir and like being able to like be on stage was it was just like like oh people are like seeing me people are yeah, hearing me it's your one place where you really could be yourself totally yeah so like i it was all like i was the music theater performing kid yeah 
it was always in my blood. Like it was always like who I was. When I went to college, I actually started as a psychology major. I've, I've always been interested in psychology and I'd say most writing sessions feel like therapy. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it, it, you know, that kind of element I've always been really interested in. But I'd say like when I got to my sophomore year, it was just a lot of like memorizing flashcards and terms and that kind of thing. And I was like, this isn't working for me. I have been singing my whole life the one thing that I need help with is like becoming a better writer. So when I changed mm. my major to English, it actually was like consciously thinking about songwriting. Yeah. I just don't know if like the courses that I took really went into me learning about songwriting, but the like intention the, was good. That was the intention. Yeah, yeah. And then I think like my junior year, I was like, okay, I really want to start like writing songs. Cause again, like I feel like I was known for having a good voice, but I, yeah. I didn't have original music. So I started working with some friends at BU and a friend of a friend who like went to Berkeley and, you know, we started writing songs and I started gigging around Boston and doing like, okay. kind of shows like so that. So it was, yeah, it was there. Like it you was, thought you were in college, like you really were doing it. Mm -hmm. Like you were thinking of it, you were writing music, you were playing shows. It wasn't this thing of you graduate college and then afterwards you're like, wait, it's artist time. Correct. Like this, okay, yeah. Correct, yeah. No, it was a journey starting from, you know, really young, but like in college being like, yeah, like this is what I want to do. But I think that I learned so much about songwriting like post-graduation and like moving to LA. It was like mm. literally what I needed personally to like learn how to write pop songs and like collaborating and just... It was doing, like a huge piece that unlocked like the, what you were trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. Just like doing sessions. Yeah. It felt like going to college again. Like yeah. it was like, that was like my, my music school it was like moving here and like just writing a lot. Was it instant success in LA or like, did you have some hurdles? Like, were you having to work jobs on the side or like, what did that look like as an, because like, you were independent still at that time, right? Yes, like, yes, what yes. was that? Like, what was like the early LA oh days of figuring it out on that side? I actually, I don't know. I think technically within the years I put out music, I think I've spent more years being independent than mm -hmm. not, but mm -hmm. I also, time is weird and I'm forgetting. But um, my first year I moved to LA door dashing, doing all of that and other odd jobs I would find on Craigslist, like yeah. some like random ass shit. That shows <laughs> that you love it though. I love that. When we used to tour, it was the same thing. Oh yeah. Like it was like what random jobs it was like security at a graveyard or valet parking cars or working in these factories or just like the most random jobs. Like temp jobs. Yes. Like, so like just crazy things. Yeah. So very random. Cause uh, it's weird. Like so many people from my past, I also now work with and it's cool how it's like come full circle, but oh, cool. Will, this guy I moved in with, yeah. he was working a lot with this producer and writer named Johnny Shore, who at this point is like one of my closest friends in the world. But he also grew up outside of Chicago in the same suburbs that I did. And so I actually knew him like in high school because like we both like did theater and stuff. At the same high school, he grew up with and was best friends with another girl who like was in the theater theater world as well. Her name is Rachel Wine, and now she's also one of my best friends, but also my publisher at Prescription. Wow. So, like, it's just, it's weird. I've, like, I've, a lot of people from my childhood, I, I crazily enough work with now, and it's, it's really weird. But that's cool. When I moved to LA, Johnny didn't know that I was moving there because, like, I sent him, like, an email at the time being Sick. like, hey, like, I'm moving to LA. Like, I would love to, like, write some stuff with you. I even think I sent him some ideas at the time, and he was like, let's just work together yeah. when you get here yeah, and I was like okay fair yeah so it's a, it's it's kind of crazy when I got to LA I moved in with Will 
me, him and Johnny were like, okay, let's get a, let's like do a writing session for Jordy. Let's do it. And I was like, so excited. It was my first LA session. I was like pumped about it. I was like, we're going to make the music I've always wanted to make. And we literally made a song in that session, probably within my first couple of weeks being in LA. It's called Be With Me. And it's actually like my first single that I ever put out. It's a song that I fell in love with immediately. And it was the post-breakup anthem. And the lyric is like, damn, it feels good to be with me again. So it's kind of like self-love, like post-breakup kind of thing. Yeah. But it was also like a moment where I, I learned so much in that session. I mean, I came into the session being like, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I miss my ex, like I feel lost. And typically I'd say like chase that feeling in a session, like whatever you're feeling, just like, you know, go with that. But I remember Johnny was like, I'm hearing all these things and you're so valid in feeling that, but like, what are your thoughts on like, kind of spinning it in this like self-love way because I also hear you kind of talking about how you finally have time for yourself again. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we did it. I remember just loving the process and like getting the first bounce. And I like, I think I probably cried because I was like, I I put it out in 2018. So it was giving like pop of that era, like very, I remember at the time, like Carly Hansen was like a huge inspo. I mean, she Uh still is. I'm a huge fan of Carly, but her song only one I remember Mm. was like, like this fresh poppy vibe that I was so obsessed with. And I wanted to like create a sound like that. And I got the demo and I was freaking out and I was like, I love this song. I'm putting it out. And yeah. they were like, Jordy, Jordy, we love the song too. But like, we're you're going to write 10 more songs like over the next month that you'll probably love. And I was like, no, like I want to finish this. I love this song. And they were yeah. like, okay. So we finished it. Yeah. When, you know, when I was figuring out how to release it, I went to submithub.com. Yeah. Dude, yes. Submithub.com. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, SubmitHub, it's like a website that sounds like something it's not, but it's actually, it's actually, it's, it is a website that's a really helpful tool yeah. for independent artists to submit their music to blogs or playlists or yeah. um, another side of the website is labels. Yeah. So I submitted to everything and, you know, obviously a part of the submit hub game is like you get a million no's, like that's sure. like a part of it. Yeah. And so I, you know, got a hundred no's yeah. and woke up one morning to an email from Armada Music, which is like a dance label based okay. in Amsterdam. Okay. They were like, we would love to sign this song and distribute it. And I was like, you know, at the time I was like, but I was like I didn't really understand what it meant it was like a one song deal which was still (laughs) cool it's amazing and I like needed I wanted a platform because you know I I didn't have a fan base at the time it was new so I was like okay this could bring good opportunities we were able to put it out in April of 2018 yeah and that's when things kind of started because it got fresh finds on Spotify and that was like the way I met my very first manager ish type person he lived in stockholm a couple months later he flew me over there he put me in sessions at like warner and sony and i was meeting writers in sweden working on music i had no money like i was like but i i was like i need to chase this opportunity just the domino effect kind of happened from that song moving forward i'm like getting emotional hearing this it's crazy i like what i just love you're telling the story so well because i think about somebody who's listening to this podcast that 
maybe is thinking of pursuing that career or whatever, and they don't know where to start. And the way you're sharing this story is like step by step. I feel it. I'm there with you. You're there, babe. And it's like submit hub. You're like, yeah, it's funny to look back at, but that's so uh, analytical to just be like, all right, I don't have a fan base. I want to get this out there. I know it's not like the most glamorous, but it's something and a hundred no's, but that one yes. And it wasn't perfect. It wasn't this like, oh my God, but it was something. Mm -hmm. And I'm just in it right now. I'm like, okay. And then what? And then what? No, for sure. I mean, it's submit hub can be very discouraging. Like, so I'm like for any artist out there using submit hub, like I, I would say keep using it because I'm like, it It worked worked for for me. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's hard to say because like sometimes as I dissect these stories on the podcast, the moment of success or it working is years ago. So it's like, does that hold up now? I don't know. I, that's actually a really good point because I will say like TikTok did not exist then. Right. So the mu- music industry has obviously changed a lot. And I think playlists now have like definitely like a lot of power, but I think yeah. it is different than it was at but that the time. the lesson is there. The like, lesson the is there. The idea of just like thinking, okay, I'm a new artist. I need to find some way to get exposure. What is, what can I do? Totally. Like that's timeless. Totally. And you got creative. Mm-hmm. That That's like what I'm it's hearing. It's giving Lady yeah. Gaga. It's giving, there's a hundred people in a room. Yeah. And there was a hundred emails I got saying, sorry, no, but. Probably gave you confidence <clears> too <throat> of like, okay, cool. Like you have this sound that you're excited about. Like you feel this energy. Like, this is what I want to be. Exactly. And then that little amount of playlisting, the little bit of attention is enough to be like, this is me. This yeah. is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. which is probably way more important than any technicality of the deal or any bit of it. Totally. Because it just gave you that foundation. Absolutely. I needed the foundation. And yeah. so this was like, you know, I was willing to take somewhat of a risk because like you never know what you're getting yourself into like when it comes to like the label kind of thing. But sure. it worked out. Yes. And again, I met this guy. He was like working in music PR in Sweden. He like really liked the other songs that I had sent him that were like in my portfolio that I was kind of collecting at the time. Yeah. You know, I had a song called Just Friends that's probably probably like my highest streaming song to date. It's like my second single. So it's one of my oldest songs, but it like continues to like do so well. But he loved that song. And that was going to be like the first song release um, post Be With Me into this next like first EP phase. We had like a plan and everything. um, And as I said, he like flew me out to Sweden. I met incredible people who I still keep in touch with today. Wrote songs on that trip that I ended up putting out as well. Like a song called Close To You, a song called These Days. Again, it felt like college. I learned so, so, so much from that trip. And I just will never forget that session because I remember... That was the first time I wanted to be like really specific in a lyric. And I remember like having this idea of like name dropping the place we would like have brunch every weekend, like in Boston, me and my ex. And I remember looking at them being like, people have never been here. So like, how is this going to work? And they were like, well, when you see a movie, do you like walk out of the theater if it's not like a direct correlation or reflection of your life experience? And I was like, no, I like want to immerse myself in someone else's story. They were like, it's the same thing. Like you should be specific. And that's also when I like, Hey, real quick, I wanted to take a break to let you know that if you're enjoying this episode or the podcast as a whole, that there is a ton of behind the scenes content and extra content, including an extended cut of this episode on the Where Are All My Friends Patreon. And you can go to it and access all of it at patreon.com slash where are all my friends. All right, that's it. Back to it started falling in love with like Julia Michaels and like other writers like that, that were being 
so specific in their yeah, lyrics. It's like these really colorful stories in in songs, and like they they do get that specific. Exactly. Yeah. I ended up putting out my first EP. I stopped working with that manager after that. Looped me in on an email with this guy Corey who has now been my manager for like three and a half years or more. Oh, wow. And he was just like, Hey Corey, like I've been working with this artist, Jordy. Like he has some songs that are out. Like here's a link. If you want to listen, I guess Corey had been sent some songs by me already. So he like had heard of my name before. Oh, cool. Um, oh, that's cool of your first manager to like alley-oop that. Like, it, it was, was the music industry can be so petty and there can be these little crappy things that everybody does. And then it's because everyone's doing it, more people do it. And I, I love the moments to be like, hey, shout out to the person that paid it forward and he, did a good thing. He so, really did. Yeah, he really did. Cool. He didn't need to do that. You know, me and Corey, I we got dinner in West Hollywood. And I remember at the time he was very busy with other clients. So, you know, I continued to like release music like without management, like obviously like independent. I was like just doing my thing. He would reach out after every song release. He came to like every performance of mine. He was always like there. Mm -hmm. And we weren't working together yet, but he like would show up for me. I, I honestly, I just kept releasing songs. And I'd say I went to Sweden the fall of 2019. No, fall of 2018. And then I put out my first EP with just friends at the beginning of 2019. Yeah. Kept putting out music the summer of 2019. And then by that fall, I texted Corey and I was like, I really need help. Yeah. And I feel like I have some really good songs that I've been working on. And so he was like, okay, meet me at this place this time. He like, we went to this coffee shop in West Hollywood. He like brought his computer. I remember he just like opened the laptop. He was like, what do we need to get done? Wow. Da, 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 da. The meeting like, with the computer, you know, it's real. He was like, yeah. And then at the end of that conversation, he was like, would you like to do this? Because I would like to do this. And I was like, I would love to do this. Sick. Sick. And so we started working together. And wow. it's been, ugh, I could cry, like thinking about our journey together just because we've been through like every phase of everything well, together. Well, the timing you're saying that my my question is, cool, this is all happening. It's all building up. And then we get into 2020 where you're like starting to build momentum. Yeah. And then it's like, boom, pandemic. Yes. Fuck. I know. That was a scary time for many of us. Did the pandemic like totally rock your plan or like what was, where were you at? After me and Corey started working together, I released Close to You that fall of 2019. Yeah. And during that time we were like, okay, like maybe let's do a show in LA, New York and Chicago. Yeah. And I was like, great. So this was going to be like my first mini tour. And we also like snuck in Milwaukee and Detroit just to like see cool. the, the vibe. I did a show at Mercury Lounge in New York yeah. that ended up like going really great. Like people Iconic came out, thing. went to Chicago, played Shubas, which is like a really classic Chicago venue. It's a great space, a place I had, you know, wanted to play. And yeah. we sold out that show. Oh, and that so was like sick. hometown. Like the show was very different back then, but yeah. like people came out for it and people just you know really showed their support so it was happening it like was happening you were doing your shows like people were showing up you're doing it diy and building it but like with progress yeah and with steps forward totally yeah yeah and then we played a show in detroit to like four people and it was I've a great time there. i I've wouldn't change it for the world yeah. like i'm like i look at that experience and i'm like that was a part of the journey mm -hmm. like and for those four people they had a great night uh, and we had a great night together it's so funny because you say that and like one of the first bands i ever toured with i so vividly remember the detroit show to literally no one yeah like to the the venue staff uh-huh and you're just sitting there and you're like <laughs> 
so humbled. I know. But for some reason, even to us, it was fuel. It was yeah. like, all right, keep Oh, going. yeah. It's motivation. Yeah. And I'm going back to Detroit to open for Spencer Sutherland in next month. And so that'll be the Let's first go. time I'll be back in Detroit since then. Let's and go. I think there will be a couple more people there this yeah. time. But <laughs> and so, yeah, I did those like three, three shows. Really important. It was it was cool to establish myself as like, you know, someone who can like who loves playing shows and, yeah. you know, I can sell tickets, whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah, the pandemic hit. And I was like, I was just kind of you. We were all processing our emotions at first. It was scary. I mean, yeah. we were all like hardly even thinking about work because we just wanted to like stay alive and like, yeah, not like get no sick. No one knew what to do. But I put out uh, three more songs before I really started using TikTok. It was working and there were, we, you know, every so every release you make progress of some sort. Yeah. But that's when TikTok started. Oh, and so wow. it's actually really interesting because it's like, there was a lot before TikTok. Yeah. And it, yes. like so much of my story is before I even use TikTok. But I think a lot of people obviously now kind of affiliate me maybe with TikTok because they like have discovered my music through that app. Yeah. I um, wasn't sure on that. Like, yeah. 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 Because yeah. I felt like you did have like a deeper, earlier career than that. So you sharing all that is really cool. But then it's also a testament to like, damn, that's a powerful platform, huh? It really is. I mean, I didn't know how to use it. I yeah. was trying to figure out like the right ways of using it. I was like, it wasn't working. Really? But I saw some videos of people with their SM7s mm -hmm. just kind of like sharing demos and putting the lyrics on the screen. And yeah. I was like... Jordy, maybe like stop trying to like hop into all the trendy stuff and just like share some songs that like are sitting in your Dropbox that like aren't out. Just see what people think. So I started doing that and then like things started moving more and I was like, okay, people like that. Like maybe I'll just keep doing that. I'd say the first moment, moment, moment was not the big, big moment that I'm thinking of, but the first moment was for a song called I Just Want to Be Loved. That's uh -huh. on my album Mind Games. Yeah. And that was a song I wrote deep in the pandemic, got my heart broken by a boy who I was just like crushing on really hard. And this is the only song I've ever put out that has worked this way. But I was with my friend Austin at the time. We were at Target getting stuff to decorate my apartment. And when we got back to my place, I received a text from this boy being like, I would not like to continue this anymore. And I broke down crying, like just like super sad. And at the time, her boyfriend, Drew, who I had also met on that tour right before the pandemic because he was in her band, he was in Chicago, but I was just like bawling, crying. And me and Austin were like, let's just call Drew to see if he'd like want to write a song on FaceTime. Wow. And so we went into my bedroom and he was like, oh, I'm so down. So we FaceTime Drew. And I was crying in my bed, literally laying in bed with Austin, FaceTiming Drew. And we wrote, I just want to be loved. No way. And I recorded it on my SM7 at home, sent the vocal to Drew. He made a really dope demo and I put it on TikTok and there was a, a big reaction. And so really? I was like, okay, let's put this out. And so I was like, I just, I want to keep sharing demos on TikTok. Like this yeah. platform is seemingly like really into my stuff. So fall of 2020. I met a boy on Instagram yeah, and we had a long distance pandemic romance. He lived in Philadelphia. I lived in LA. And at this point, you know, I reflect he, he wasn't necessarily who I thought he was not in a sure. catfishing way, but people love to do a little love bomb. You know, uh -huh. that's just uh -huh. how, how it works. And, you know, we had a really beautiful thing going for a second, but then yeah. it all kind of came like crashing down. Yeah. But in the process of that beautiful thing, I wrote a song called Long Distance. And yeah. it was like this long distance love song. And it's a poppy yeah. bop. But after that ended, I was bitter towards the song. And I was like, I hate the song. I'm uh, never putting it out. Uh, he broke my heart. He doesn't right. deserve it. But after I Just Want to Be Loved came out, after Fallon and everything, I was like, 
I have the song sitting in my Dropbox and people I've shown it to really like it. So let me just see what happens. Yeah. So posted long distance on TikTok. Yeah. That was like major turning moment for me. Really? That was like the viral getting called by like the Today Show, getting emails from like every major label, like the following day. Like that week was like when things really started to like go crazy. Um, no way. Getting and was that off of like a specific video a on video. TikTok? Mm-hmm. It was me with my SM7 yeah. singing my song Long Distance. And I think the reason it, it really blew up was because of the pandemic too, because people were long distance with their families right. and their friends and their lovers. Yeah. And it was relatable. The thought that you like for a second hated it and weren't going to do anything with I it. I was like, this boy hurt me. Yeah. And I was like, this is a love song about him. I'm just like bitter towards it. Yeah. But... I posted it and it was like within the first hour, things were like going crazy. And I remember FaceTiming Corey being like, I'm sorry, but it's happening again because we had just put out I Just Want to Be Loved. And we were like working off of that release. And I'm like, something's happening. And he was like, he was like, holy shit. That's when I started talking to like labels and stuff. And I will say, because I feel like I've been talking for a million hours. No, I'm so in. But this goes to show I had all of that experience before I really had conversations with labels. Yes. And I think that that's just like important to remember. This wasn't like me coming out of nowhere with one viral song on TikTok and then signed a record deal. I was at a place in my career where I felt like I had done the grinding on my own for three years and had gotten myself to a point where I was like, I feel ready to expand my team. Yeah. But I would not have felt ready if I didn't have that independent time. Like I just like for anybody listening, like be independent, like for as long as you can. But I felt like at the time I could see where I needed help in certain areas. It made sense at the time. Yeah. And so... You know, I, at, after Long Distance came out, I signed to 300 and that was the beginning of my label journey. And now 300 and Electra have become one. You know, I put out my first album Mind Games with 300. Like yeah. I honestly, I had a really lovely experience with them for this, yeah. for that first project, like just really supportive and like, let me put out the music I wanted to put out and supported me through it all. And now we're here now. Like that's yes. basically the, that's the gist. Oh my God. I love it. And it's, it's a couple of things like right at the end there that you said, cause it's so fascinating is I love what you said about the labels, because I think absolutely, if you want to do it independent, you can more so than ever now, yep. but your experience being so great, I think that's entirely possible as well. I think a lot of times artists invent this narrative that all labels are bad, whatever, but it's also kind of like you get out what you put in. Like if you're nice to your team and you appreciate their work and you work collaboratively, like these are human beings. These are people like 100%. It's not like they show up and they're like, I'm going to work at a label so I can be mad and shitty to everyone. Like they're passionate. I agree. No, I agree. And I think that you know, for me, it's like, it's all gut feeling. It's all intuition. Yeah, I would cool. never sign into anything that I felt even slightly strange about, but it, it made sense at the time. I was like, I mean, being real, it's like, I want more budget for music videos. I yeah. want a tour budget. I yeah. like, I need help with marketing. I need help with like my creative direction. Like I needed like to revamp like artwork and stuff. Like I just like needed that extra layer of, of And when you're aware of that, labels can do exactly that. Yeah. So if you feel like if internally you have all that on lock and you have this creative vision that you can execute with your tiny little group of friends, probably stay independent. 100%. But like all of those things you're saying is so valid. I needed help. My other question is, 
that moment that you explain of like the like, oh shit, it's working TikTok. You were saying like it, it, there was a minute where that wasn't it, right? You were trying to chase trends, wasn't it? You kind of found your thing. If you were to go back and dissect it, if you were to talk to artists now, is there an underlying lesson in that of like becoming more of just doing your own thing yourself? Or like if you go back and look at that ret- retroactively, do you make anything of it? My thing is like, you you got to work with what's happening you know so tiktok is how people are marketing music yeah so that's what i'm gonna do am i obsessed with making content all the time yeah not necessarily sometimes i have a lot of fun with it there's been a lot of discussion obviously over the past year or two like pertaining Mm. to you know musicians becoming content creators like you know artists resenting tiktok for a lot Mm. of reasons and obviously it's like i understand that. And I feel that. I will say too, like even where I am on TikTok and where I was like when long distance blew up, like I think when long distance went viral, I probably had like 30,000 followers. Mm -hmm. Now I have like over half a million followers. It's like, it's cool to see the growth, but it doesn't work for me all the time either. And and I'm at a place where I have over a half a million followers on TikTok. Not every song is going to be a TikTok sensation. It's not just guaranteed now. It's not. That's where longevity comes in. And that's where like the fan relationships come in. And that's where touring comes in. Because I think that like TikTok is such an important tool when it works. It's great. But it's not going to happen every single time. That's okay. And that doesn't reflect the beauty of the art you're making. It's simply an algorithm that you sometimes get lucky with and you sometimes don't it can be very discouraging i put out a song in january story of a boy there's been this beautiful incredible trend where trans creators are using the original song story of a girl by nine days transitioning into my version story of a boy and it was a lot of trans creators like using it to show their transition like using that sound yeah i I was an emotional wreck for weeks like seeing this trend happen like Mm -hmm. and now i'm starting to promote this next song and is it working in the way that did? Not yet, not necessarily, mm-hmm. but I love the song and I'm going to put it out anyway. Sure. You know, I feel like people get stuck in this, like if it's not going viral on TikTok, I'm not putting it out. Yeah. And I like, so don't think you should do that. Like, I'm so I, glad you mentioned that trend though, because I think mm-hmm. that that's something like that specific trend and what you just said, I saw that and I thought that was so beautiful because mm-hmm. it's not like you wrote that song with that trend in mind. Not right? at all. There's a side of TikTok where people may be right to like, oh, this would go viral. This would be a trend, whatever. I don't think anyone could have anticipated that. Mm -mm. And then you see it and it's like, all of a sudden your art is now this thing that empowers so many people and gives them this little moment to show like, hey, thank you for that. Or like, you know, it becomes bigger than you. 100%. And that's a beautiful side of TikTok and trends where I'm like, that's gotta be a cool feeling to have your art represent so many people's stories like that Mm -hmm. on this like natural organic way. Thank you. That's tight. I appreciate that. I mean, as a queer artist, it's like, you know, I I want to give as much visibility to our community as possible. And I think, you know, trans people really pave the way and they inspire me every single day. And what they need, like what they are going through, especially now with like all the legislation and everything, it's, it's, it's a very scary time. Yeah. And so for this trend to kind of start, especially during this time, I mean, yeah. I'm like humbled and I'm grateful to have a platform to like showcase their voices because I am like so grateful for that. And I would rather have that than a bunch of pre-saves like you know what I mean it's yes. like and it's like you get like so much of our industry is like pre-save 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 stream 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 like yeah. what numbers what numbers and I'm like I'm just happy to be helping people I really like the values that you're sharing because I think that a lot of things in your story 
show me that you're a real artist and you're not just doing this for a trend because it's like the submit hub example, TikTok example. It's like you, you're so aware that these are tools, but that does not define you. And I think every artist, it's like, yeah, the world is changing. Promotion, every artist forever has had to promote their music, right? Businesses have to do that. Outside of being an artist, most every business has to promote and market in some way. Absolutely. And the better you are at that, that's great. Like the more people you'll bring in, being an artist as a business and understanding the game, but that doesn't mean that's why you're doing it. And I love that you're good at it and you understand it. But then behind that, there's an artist with values and meaning and writing songs that matter. And that's the lesson that I love to hear and to share. It's like, yeah, embrace it, figure out, like stay with the times, but don't define yourself by that. I am so with that. So then that catches us up to now. Yes. What's next? You you have an album coming up, right? I do. That's I do. That's cool. It is cool. I'm very <laughs> excited. I mean, so I put out Mind Games November of 2021. After that, I did a headline tour. The following spring, I put out a collab with Loot called Friends, and that was like a super fun one. Then I opened for Lawrence Anderson, who you've also yes. done the podcast with. And I was, I was on the road with her for a little over a month. During that whole time in sessions, like working on this project throughout, you know, this past summer, I'd say I wrote the last song off the album in August of this past summer and it's called Boy and it comes out on April 21st and it's 12 songs and I am really proud of it. I love, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I think it's like, it's really cool growth to see from the last record and just, you know, the music I'm, I'm proud of. And I worked on it with, again, some of my best friends who have been with me from the beginning and some new people who I was lucky enough to meet this past year and collaborate with. And I called it boy because I think that over the past year, I've done a lot of self-work, a lot of therapy, and I'm learning that, you know, the older I get, the younger I feel like weirdly. Cool. And I just feel like I just turned 28 and... I, I, in a lot of ways, like don't have it figured out yet. And I think that that's just the way being a human feels. And also like with, you know, the sample of story of a girl and like other really big feelings that came up this past year, I'm, I'm learning that the core of those feelings come from that inner child and those inner child experiences. It's like you're getting lighter, not heavier though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, adult life typically can weigh you down and add more. So to to say that and to feel that way is really beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I put out my song, I don't know shit that will be on the album last summer, but that song, like the epitome of that song is I, I'm faking it till I make it. Yeah. I'm making it seem like I have my shit together and I yeah. don't. You're just tying it together. And I feel that, yeah. but yeah, boy, the album, April 21st, I'm really excited and proud. That's so sick. The podcast is nice because fans can go out and listen to the album and every bit of what they hear is there. But sometimes hearing the artist explain things that you might not have caught is really special to me. Like as a fan, right? Like I'll listen back and my favorite artists, you'll hear these things where they're like, oh yeah, actually like we we recorded this like this or these like nuanced things that make me love the album more. Well, if somebody's listening to this podcast around the release of the album, anything they should think with in hearing the album, Ooh. like did you record at a fun studio or like mm. or just like things that you're proud of in the album that you might not hear. Oh my God, I just first. got chills because yeah. Yes, there are. All right, let's go. I mean, okay, so 
There's a lot of voice notes on the album, like throughout the production. So at the beginning of uh, my song, Becky's Brother, which is a song I wrote for my sister, because there was a point in time where I think she was expressing a difficulty in being known as Jordy's sister. And so my response to that is, well, I'm good being Becky's brother. So that's like kind of like this sibling familial love song. And I love my sister. She's the best. But at the beginning of the song, you hear this voice note and it's actually a clip of a home video of me being three years old in the hospital, sitting in the hospital bed and my mom is putting Becky into my arms. And you can hear little Jordy say, she just said hi. And my mom's like, she did. And then it goes like right into the song. No Um, way. And at the beginning of the intro track, which is called Boy, um, it's actually, there's a a voice note from the same day, from the same home video collection, um, where it's a clip of, you don't hear this context, but because my sister was being born, my parents got me and my older brother some presents just to make sure we felt loved and seen the day. Like we had a new human joining the family and they got me this mini karaoke machine and my aunt uh, and her voice starts the entire record. She's like, let me see Jordy. And I'm like, do you see it? And I say, it makes songs. And it kind of, we warped it. It's like this very like bony Vare type moody intro where it's like, you can hear it under the production and it like warps right into like this cool intro song. And I thought that was so cool because it yeah. was like, you could tell from three years old, I had this passion for music. That. And that's like starting off the whole project. Another cool thing is my song Unburnable is a song I wrote in Nashville that was basically inspired by, you know, just those experiences you have with ex relationships and little pieces um, that you might keep from those relationships, even though you're kind of like moved on with someone else. Some things are just like unburnable and you just hold on to those things. And that is the only song of mine. And the first song that is a single one take vocal, no vocal comping, no, no different takes. No fucking way. The, That's rare. The vocal that you hear. That does not happen. The vocal you hear is is the one take of the entire song. And it was one of the, I think it might, it might've been like the first take. And I, we, we just kept it. Cause I was like, this, this is beautiful. I now hope that song goes crazy just as more proof of like i i wish more artists would just send it like to not overthink it and to just put those things out and you've you've kind of told a couple moments in your story where you've done that Mm -hmm. so i hope that's another one of them where like it's it's proof to just be like go i hope so yeah that song is one of my favorites off the album that's um, cool for sure and i just i think that's super cool so i'm excited i'm proud of that so like that's another point to the podcast is like it's another chance to give artists a voice to explain these things and that's what i've always wanted it to be so like i'm no, thank you for giving me the opportunity oh it, it's it was a long time coming but i think the timing is absolutely perfect i think so too Man, i think so too thank you for doing this thank you yeah. this is such a good combo thanks for listening to the journey i love it i good. love it and i hope everyone else loves it too thank you me too This was great. Thanks. Sweet.